Hey family, I'm back with my second episode of Black History. So let me first give props to where I'm receiving and educating myself. It's blackpast.org and also the other website I'm at is Black Inventors. The Black Inventors dot com. Um, so what I said in the last episode, what I'm trying to do is not only inform myself because there's a lot that I'm learning and a lot that I don't know, but in my research, I'm trying to educate myself and educate my people. And if there is something that I don't have right, forgive me. I'm just doing the research because, you know, when you do research, sometimes you can come up right. Sometimes you can come up wrong. And let me correct something. In the last episode, I said prevent. I meant to say present. Just like I present a massacre or bad, I'm going to present a good. So forgive me for that mistake. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the Colfax Massacre in 1873. And I have researched this on blackpass.org. The Colfax, ma- the Colfax Massacre occurred on April 13, 1873. The battle-turned-massacre took place in the small town of Colfax, Louisiana, as a clash between blacks and whites. Three whites and an estimate 150 blacks died in the conflict. The massacre took place against the backdrop of racial tensions following the hotly contested Louisiana governor's race of 1872. While the Republicans narrowly won the contest and retained control of the state, white Democrats, angry over the defeat, vowed revenge and Colfax Parish, as in other areas of the state, they organized a white militia to directly challenge the mostly black state militia under the control of the governor. Colfax Parish reflected the political and racial divide in Louisiana. Its 4,600 voters in the 1872 election were split between approximately 2,400 mostly black Republican voters and 2,200 white Democrat voters. One incident, however, touched off the Colfax Massacre. On March 28th, local white Democrat leaders called for armed supporters to help them take the Colfax Parish Courthouse from the black and white GOP office holders on April 1st. The Republicans responded by urging the mostly black supporters to defend them. Although nothing happened on April 1st, the next day fighting erupted between the two groups. On April 13th, Easter Sunday, more than 300 armed white men, including members of the white supremacist organization, such as the Knights of White Camellia and the Ku Klux Klan, attacked the courthouse building. When the militia maneuvered a cannon to fire on the courthouse, some of the 60 black defenders fled while others surrendered. When the leader of the attackers, James 
had not, was accidentally shot by one of his own men, the white militia responded by shooting the black prisoners. Those who were wounded in the earlier battle, particularly black militia members, were singled out for execution. The indiscriminate killing spread to African Americans who had not been at the courthouse and continued into the night. All told, approximately 150 African Americans were killed and 48 who were murdered after the battle. Only three whites were killed and few were injured in the largely one-sided Battle of Colfax. On April 14th, the militia under the control of the Republican governor, William Kellogg, arrived at the scene and recorded the carnage. New Orleans police and federal troops also arrived in the next few days to reestablish order. A total of 97 white militia men were arrested and charged with violation of the U.S. Enforcement Act of 1870, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act. A handful of them were convicted but were eventually released in 1875. When the U.S. Supreme Court, the United States versus Kurashank, excuse me, ruled the Enforcement Act was unconstitutional. No one was ever arrested by the state of Louisiana or by the in- intimidated local officials. That's a sad story. That's just... It's nothing different that's going on today. They... The, the, the two political parties asked black people to come help them fight and a hundred and something of us got massacred and only a few of them got, we got to stop we got to stop caping for people who, who don't have our back this is just a sad story to me, I never heard this story, never heard anything about this story we got to stop caping people no more caping no more caping. Our second inventor will be Garnville Granville. Sorry, Granville Woods. The magnitude of an inventor's work can often be defined by the esteem in which he is held by fellow inventors. If this is the case, then Granville Woods was certainly a respected inventor as he was often referred to as the Black Thomas Edison. Granville Woods was born on April 23, 1856 in Columbus, Ohio. He spent his early years attending school until the age of 10, at which point he began working in a machine shop repairing railroad equipment and machinery. Intrigued by electricity that powered the machinery, Wood studied other machine workers as they attended to different pieces of equipment and paid other workers to sit down and explain electrical concepts to him. Over the next few years, Woods moved around the country working on railroads and in steel rolling mills. This experience helped to prepare him for a formal education studying engineering surprisingly it is unknown exactly where he attended school but is it is believed it was an eastern college after two years of studying woods obtained a job as an engineer on a british steamship called the ironsides two years later he obtained employment with dns railroads 
driving a steam locomotive. Unfortunately, despite his high aptitude and valuable education and expertise, Woods was denied opportunities and promotions because of the color of his skin. Out of frustration and desire to promote his abilities, Woods, along with his brother, formed the Woods Railway Telegraph Company in 1884. The company manufactured a sold telephone, telegraph, and electrical equipment. One of the earlier inventions from the company was an improved steam broiler furnace, and this was followed up by an improved telephone transmitter, which had superior clarity of sound and could provide for longer range of distance and for transmission. In 1885, Woods patented an apparatus which was a combination of a telephone and a telegraph. The device which he called telegraphony would allow a telegraph station to send voice and telegraph messages over a single wire. The device was so successful that he later sold it to the American Bell Telephone Company. In 1887, Woods developed his most important invention to date, a device he called Synchronous Multiplex Railway Telegraph. I might have pronounced that wrong, so forgive me. A variation of the induction telegraph, it allowed for messages to be sent from moving trains and railway stations by allowing dispatchers dispatchers to know the location of each train it provided for greater safety and a decrease in railway accidents. Granville Woods often had difficulties enjoying his success as other inventors made claims to his device. Not surprising. Thomas Thomas Edison made one of these claims, stating that he had first created a similar telegraph and that he was entitled to the patent for the device. Woods was twice successful in defending himself, proving that there were no other devices upon which he could have depended or relied upon to make his device. After the second defeat, Edison decided that it would be better to work with Granville Woods than against him and thus offer him a position with the Edison Company. Ain't that something? Excuse me, that man tried to to take what this man worked very hard to create. Sound familiar? Still doing the same thing. History does repeat itself. I hope y'all know that. In 1892, Woods used his knowledge of electrical systems in creating a method of supplying electricity to a train without any exposed wires or secondary batteries. Approximately every 12 feet, electricity would pass to the train as it passed over an iron block. He first demonstrated the device as an amusement apparatus at the Coney Island Amusement Park, and while it amused patrons, It would be a novel approach toward making safer travels for trains. Many of Wood's inventions attempted to increase efficiency and safety railroad cars. Woods developed the concept of a third rail which would allow a train to receive more electricity while also encountering less friction. This concept 
is still used on subway train platforms in major cities in the United States. So every time you get on a train, you need to thank this gentleman for your transportation. Over the course of his lifetime, Granville Woods would obtain more than 50 patents for inventions including an automatic brake and an egg incubator and for improvements to other inventions such as safety circuits, telegraph, telephone, phonograph. When he died on January 30, 1910 in New York City, he had become an admirer, admired and well-respected inventor, having sold a number of his devices to such giants as Westinghouse, General Electric, and American Engineering. More importantly, the world knew him as the Black Thomas Edison. But we gonna change that. Thomas Edison is the Black Granville Woods. He invented that. Granville Woods, I salute you, sir. I appreciate you. This episode comes to you with love. Y'all have a blessed day.